helping you live life optimally. This is Tate Talks from Radio 111. Here's functional medicine expert and host, Jason Tate. Welcome to this edition of Tate Talks. In this hour of Tate Talks, I have family medicine physician and OB-GYN fellowship doctor, Amy Chen. We'll be discussing labor and delivery during COVID, as well as some solutions to improved health outcomes by an experienced physician. I'll be sharing with you some tips and strategies for getting back to some normalcy post and during this pandemic, and as well as some great advice for your pre-vaccine protocols, what to do before you get the vaccine if you haven't done so yet. And right here with me, I, I am so honored and excited to have a friend of mine and an amazing physician that I met through the Eisenhower Family Medicine Residency Program, Dr. Amy Chen. She's a graduate of UC Berkeley and Ross University School of Medicine. She completed her residency training at Eisenhower in Family Medicine and is currently a Surgical Obstetrics Fellow in Tennessee. She's completed her first year and her healthcare interests include women's health and global health. She takes pride in serving her local community in Memphis, Tennessee, and training, and, and she plans to return to the Eisenhower family here to teach family medicine in OB in a community-focused setting. Amy Chen, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me again, Jason. It feels like coming full circle since the last time I was here. Right. <laughs> and so much has happened since, <laughs> right? <laughs> an entire an entire pandemic has happened since, yes. An entire yes. pandemic has happened, indeed. <laughs> so we met during your residency at Eisenhower here in the Coachella Valley. Share with me some highlights of that experience, maybe some heroes a few key individuals who who supported your growth to nurture you and your development. I mean, do we have two hours to, to talk about that? <laughs> um, right? Yeah, so so we met um, sort of in, in our community uh, rotation, and um, I am from Southern California. Eisenhower was very close to home, um, and our residency program um had a lot of community projects, a lot of outreach. Um, so it, it's hard to sort of pin down who has helped like all of our residents uh, sort of pursue and develop their growth. Um, and we, we've had a few program directors that have uh, been involved. Um, so I can't say enough about them. Dr. Wen Dawson, who is the current program director now, she was associate program director um, when I first started at Eisenhower um, and is now sort of transitioning the, the program throughout this entire pandemic. Dr. Scott Nass, who uh, left the program ab about, I think, six months ago um, in other pursuits, and all of our faculty, really, I, you can't really go wrong. It's like picking from you know, pick any name in the bag um, yeah, right. <laughs> as far as um, people who've contributed to how far I've come and I'm sure how far a lot of our residents have come. Um, what's great about our program is we kind of have people in different specialties that were really accessible to us, um, which is one of the greatest things about being family medicine because it's, it's very, very varied, if I can say so. So, sure. you know, I was very interested in obstetrics. As you know, I'm pursuing an obstetrics fellowship. Um, so someone really close to my heart would be Jenna Grindle, who is on faculty still, 
um, and is currently pregnant, actually, ironically enough, oh, and do soon. <laughs> um, so she is probably, if I had to, had to choose, I would say that she really played that role of mentor and um, helping me make decisions and sort of just guiding me through the process of pursuing obstetrics in the sense of family medicine and community medicine. Beautiful. And what an amazing hero as well. I, I remember Dr. Grindle vividly. She came and spoke and met with my students and spoke in the classroom. And she talked about breastfeeding and how important breastfeeding is. And at the time, I didn't realize that uh, you could have the, the breast milk is different depending on the baby and the baby's needs. And if you're breastfeeding two different babies, you can provide basically two different types of breast milk. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the, Pretty amazing. the students loved the it as well. the timing of the breast milk. Yes. Um, yeah. She's, she's wonderful. Probably uh, one of the, the greats, I think, if, if uh-huh. we're talking Eisenhower faculty. Love that. I think Love she's going to do such big things for this program, given the opportunity. She's remarkable. So, and, and everyone, like you said, like everyone over there. So for you to go through this program, and I think you graduated uh, pre-COVID. Is that correct? Um, I graduated when COVID started. So oh, we graduated okay. July 2020. So oh, at, the height, at the height of the restrictions. Yeah, I was chief resident in the middle of um things sort of just like chief residency starts april of of that year so april 2020 (laughs) and that's when covid really just started taking off wow wow and through this obviously you were supported by this amazing not only the faculty but your classmates right and you know pushing each other and challenging each other in in ways that allowed you to to grow and to bloom and then go on this fellowship, this journey, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's the like the fellowship of the ring, but in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what are some key things? Yeah, right, the fellowship of the ring. What are some uh, key things and, and why obstetrics? What was the what was the push there? Or pull, you know, it's, actually, it's probably so more of a pull I, than a push. I get this question all the time. Um, and I think there's sort of this thought in the, in the, like healthcare provider community, like obstetrics is such a crazy thing to want to do because the hours are very demanding Mm -hmm. um, because babies come whenever they want. Um, There's a lot of sort of family dynamic uh, as far as vulnerability and interactions with your patients. Um, But I think bottom line, I think, you know, there are not many fields in medicine that in the majority of the time, can bring a lot of joy. Um, right. right. Not to say that there's not joy in other specialties. I just think obstetrics intrinsically is kind of tied to this beautiful moment mm-hmm. um, and having like a form of continuity with, uh, you know, with, with your patients. It almost guarantees a continuity throughout mm-hmm. the pregnancy, which I love. I love you know, seeing my own patients and uh, getting them through the pregnancy and then delivering the baby. And then from a family medicine standpoint, taking care of the baby. So my continuity is throughout. Um, it's, it's probably the, the most rewarding thing about doing family medicine obstetrics, um, I think. And yes, the hours are a little crazy, but there's just so much, so much it gives, I think, wow. um, as far as, 
reward and job satisfaction and um, a lot of opportunity for education, yeah. Um, yeah. especially with new parents. So I think it comes down to that. I know that sounds a little cheesy, but you know, I dare, I dare anyone to find a specialty that brings joy almost every day um, to the workplace. I love that. I love that so much. I used to be in retail sales and I sold uh-huh. um, jewelry. And, you know, when people ask me what my favorite part of that career was, it was getting young couples together who were starting their life together to be married, you know, yeah, shopping for exciting. that engagement ring and people, you know, helping the guy come up with how he's going to ask her and where he's going to do it. And, and some, and there was one time where he actually did it right there in the store, right in front of me. Uh, oh, you know, wow. that was that part of it was the most amazing part, this union of life. And you're at the right, the beginning of life uh, for mm-hmm. a new person and these families coming together. So I can totally understand why this draw, this pull towards it. So how has COVID really changed labor and delivery during this time? Uh, you had shared some stories with me. Um, so we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll keep it to, <laughs> to a minimum because we only have a few minutes, but, um, yeah. you're, you're delivering a lot of babies right now and these are COVID babies. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I think as far as volume goes, um, we are feeling sort of the, the effect of the quarantine, you know, as far as. COVID babies being born, Um, but also just, I think with this new round of the Delta variants, we have seen higher cases of COVID sort of persisting in um, our population of pregnant women. And, you know, I shared a couple of stories with you when we were talking um, where we've had some pretty sick uh, pregnant women um, because just sort of the physiology of being pregnant puts you at a certain risk of, I guess, certain risk of, of health-related things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's well known that pregnancy puts you at a higher risk of being hypercoagulable. Um, it's well known that pregnancy puts you at, you know, sort of high, well, well, I shouldn't say high risk, but there's limited, there are limited medicines that we can use in pregnant women because of certain effects that it has on babies. And to top that, there aren't a lot of trials or studies on pregnant women for ethical reasons. So a lot of the information um, that's been coming out with COVID, I know a lot of people feel like, oh wow, well, you know, how do we know? Like, how do we make sure? Because these are these are trials that are sort of coming as we go. And I think that's sort of exacerbated with our pregnant population because there's no one, no one is going right. to say, well, let me take a bunch of pregnant women. <laughs> let me sign up for that. <laughs> and, and see what happens if I do this or if I don't do this. Just ethically speaking, it's, it's, it's unheard of. Um, but double-edged sword, right? That just means that we have even more limited information about right. uh, um, pregnancy and, and sort of the effects of certain medications and that sort of uh dynamic when it comes to treating pregnant ladies well information or not you know you're on the front line right Mm -hmm. and you have Mm -hmm. uh, pregnant mothers that are vaccinated and pregnant mothers that are not vaccinated and Mm -hmm. pregnant you know mothers who are you know with covid right positive Mm -hmm. with covid who are struggling through this 
you know, if you were to basically have a platform to say a message <laughs> regarding COVID <laughs> and vaccines, and, you know, which you do yeah. right now. Uh, so, you know, I actually, we're going to, we're going to run out of time on this little part, but I, I do want to kind of save this question for the moment. I want you thinking about this, you know, and we, we had talked a little bit about this previously, but yeah, you know, you're there, you're on the front lines and absolutely to see um, yeah. that happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the healthcare community is pretty clear on the message for that. Sure. I mean, the CDC guidelines are clear in that pregnant women's are now recommended to get the vaccine at any gestational age. So that's that's the bottom message, I think. And I think, you know, um, if you're not vaccinated, you sort of add a certain risk to yourself if you do get COVID and you are pregnant, because we know that COVID also causes hypercoagulability, which means you're at an increased risk for clots. Pregnancy also does that. Um, there's a risk of, um, sort of a, an, a, an immune response that's a little bit different than a non-pregnant uh, person. And I think essentially, I mean, I can't say, I, I can only say what the CDC guidelines say and what our trials have said. And right. the bottom line is that pregnant women should get vaccinated and the CDC guidelines say to get vaccinated at any gestational age. Which is a great message to, to share. Still to come on Tate Talks, the conversation continues with Dr. Amy Chin as we explore key strategies to survive and thrive physically, emotionally, and mentally during this challenging time in our lives as a community together. Stay right there on Tate Talks. Sound advice for your personal wellness. Radio 111 presents Tate Talks with functional medicine instructor Jason Tate. Here's Jason. You're listening to Tate Talks. Thank you so much for being here, for taking time out of your day and spending it with me here and my guest. Dr. Amy Chin is in Memphis, Tennessee right now. However, she was a graduate. She is a graduate of the Eisenhower Family Medicine Residency Program here in the Coachella Valley. Uh, and that's how we met. So we are talking right now. She's doing her obstetrics fellowship in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have a really important question for you, Amy. What are our sure. greatest public health challenges presently, in your opinion? And what kind of solutions do you see from both sides, clinician side and patient side, uh, with respect to this COVID pandemic that we're in right now? Um, I, and I know when we talked about this, right. um, I I got a little animated. <laughs> um, so, and that's so okay. Try, yeah. Later in the show, I'm going to be talking about perspectives and respecting everyone's, you know, angle. You are literally on the front lines and you are seeing life and death. So right. feel free to, right. to take the gloves off and, and talk about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think I think one of the greatest challenges um, that sort of perseveres in today's sort of political climate is really just the conversation, um, the conversation about difficult things like vaccination, um, 
mask wearing mask wearing social distancing and sort of these blurred lines of where where does this like where does it sort of stop as far as where are you willing to meet me if you're one of my patients coming into the clinic um, asking for advice as, as far as COVID goes because you know the family care physicians we are the go-to people I mean I we see our patients more than most physicians see their patients because we see them throughout their entire life from Mm -hmm. the time that they're born until the time you know however old they are and I think that conversation um, as a family physician is something that we really need to take advantage of so I think some of the challenges is having that conversation and sort of not shutting down when it gets difficult um, and not pushing so hard that you're shutting your patients out as well, which is so challenging because to have that conversation over and over again and seeing some of the things that I've seen in the hospital with our pregnant patients, um, you know, seeing people being intubated, seeing people suffer from pulmonary embolisms, um, people unable to get off of the vents, stat C-sections that are occurring because of um, people not being able to, to breathe. It's, it's hard to talk about that um, in a way that isn't that doesn't feel like a scare tactic when someone comes into my clinic. Right. But I think it also it wouldn't do it any justice if if I don't acknowledge how scary it could be as a family physician. Um, so it's really a balance of that conversation and with anything with our patients is meeting them where they're at. Um, I don't think there's there's any productivity or effectiveness in sort of pushing my beliefs or, you know, um, how I feel. But there is room for a conversation about informed consent. There is room for a conversation about the risk and the benefits of doing a treatment or not doing a treatment, getting the vaccination or not getting the vaccination. And I think that conversation is much more open and probably a little bit more palatable um, as and opposed to... And that's got to be so tough, though. I mean, you yeah. go from clinic, right, where you're delivering a baby preterm yes. through C-section because Correct. the mother cannot obtain enough oxygen to support her own life, let alone right. the life of her developing child. And right. then you go into uh, a patient room with somebody who is vehemently opposed to mm-hmm. wearing a mask and getting a vaccine and it's just mm-hmm. it's got to be so tough right it you is know? and I, and it's difficult yeah. it's difficult and it's challenging um and these are conversations we're having you know 15 20 times a day sometimes wow. um and it's i don't know it i probably is contributing to a lot of the burnout um on top of the scary things that that are happening in in the hospital but i also think that there's the persistence of having this conversation is i think how we're going to sort of achieve what we need to achieve right because um getting into fights with my patients or right yeah sort of yeah, getting like lost in um, pushback, I don't think that does it any justice as well. Is it difficult? 100%. Especially like, and we do, so I do clinic and hospital. So I do hospital in the morning, um, 
I take call and then I'm at clinic all day. So you're right, like these images in my head um, coming from the hospital of someone who needed a stat C-section for whatever reason that involved COVID or because they had difficulty breathing. We've had a few of those cases and then coming into clinic who and meeting people who are very opposed to it is, right. it's hard, it is hard. Well, bottom line here is, first of all, thank you. As a first responder, as a person on the front lines, from the bottom of my heart and everyone who's listening, thank you so much for the work that you do for our community, for humanity itself. And thank you for being on the show. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having (laughs) me. I always love coming back and and catching up with you and seeing what you're up to and, you know, seeing what Eisenhower is up to. Always great to be on (laughs) Coming up still in this edition of Tate Talks, I share with you IFM's pre-vaccine protocols and discuss the transition back to normal life with some key strategies during this still uncertain time of the pandemic. Wellness for all of you, your body, mind, and spirit. Radio 111 and Jason Tate team up to help you with Tate Talks. Here's Jason. This is Tate Talks, and I'm so grateful that you are here with me. I want to begin this segment with a thought to digest. And this is our quote today. And today I'm going to bring in, I'm going to sprinkle a little kindness today. (laughs) I'm talking here with my my friend and producer, John McMullen. We're talking about kindness. Anybody who listens to me might know that that might be a tough... (laughs) A tough road to hoe. That's a <laughs> it's a tough road for John, but but I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring kindness every week here for John. <laughs> All right. So this quote is uh, from Harold S. Kushner. I love this one. Do things for people, not because of who they are or what they do in return, but because of who you are. That's your kindness quote for today. So uh, I'm actually going to launch right into a really important and sensitive and controversial, even though it shouldn't be controversial topic of life after COVID, even though we're not after, we're still living amidst COVID and this pandemic and new waves and vaccines and boosters and all of that good stuff. Uh, Masks or no masks and um, in school and distance learning, the whole range of it, there's still this integration. I mean, we're not quarantined right now. We're kind of back. And, you know, there are some protocols, some things to think about. And and I want to, in this segment right now, really just bring kindness into it and compassion, empathy, and understanding that everyone's in a different place with this. So some, I've got six different little strategies here. Number one, take things slow. It's best not to try and jump right into doing everything that we had put aside for in the months of quarantine, like medical appointments and hair appointments and buying new clothes and all that. If you try to do too much at once and make up for lost time, you might actually feel overwhelmed and stressed, and you might actually put yourself at even more risk of getting the thing that you worked so hard to avoid. Um, Another is preparing a to-do list. This can be for yourself. It can be for an entire family of things that you need to do to get back into normal living. 
whether it's food shopping, scheduling playdates for the kids, uh, visiting family, scheduling time for everything, this helps keep you organized. And organization is actually a really healthy technique and strategy, not for physical health, but more for emotional and mental health. The more organized and prepared you are, the less stressed and anxious you are. So organization, always a good thing. Talking to your kids about life and getting back to normal. Children may be quite fearful about what's going on since they're going back to school, uh, since they're leaving the home environment, and they may have a lot of questions and they may not raise those questions. They may not even bring them up. So understand that it's possible they have a lot of fears and anxieties. And I, I know this, I'm a school teacher <laughs> and they do. Uh, they do have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And, you know, they were taken out of their social training and education environment for a year and a half and then now put back into it. These are developmental years. These are really important time where young people, teenagers especially, uh, kind of acculturate into their tribe and separate from their family. Um, and so to be at home for a year and a half and not have the opportunity to do that and then be suddenly thrust back into this environment, it's a little jarring. So have these conversations with your kids, talk to them, ask them how they're doing, not just what'd you learn in school today. Have a real conversation with them and say, you know, how does it feel? What does it feel like? What are, what are some fears that you might have? What are questions that you have? So talk to your kids, okay? <laughs> Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> Feeling calm is, is actually a really important thing to do and to not you know, be overwhelmed by fear. We all can feel anxious about stepping out again and the fear of getting sick, but we, we really shouldn't let fear dictate our lives. It's really important. Let fear guide us and instruct us to seek information and understand. Uh, of course, information from credible sources, always important to mention that point. Uh, but we must continue to practice hand washing and taking care of ourselves, other measures to stay healthy. Um, social distancing is still always a good thing at this point. Mask wearing is still a good thing when you're in a, in a closed space. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated and yet I still wear a mask when I go into a grocery store, not because I have to just because I think it's a social and moral imperative. I feel like it's a great way to lead by example. Um, do I feel fully 100% protected? No. Um, I do having the mask on and having the vaccine, I feel pretty protected. But at the same time, I think it's an important way to just kind of show that it's okay to do these things. Another, um, this one is probably a little more near and dear to my heart. Number five, define what is safe and comfortable for you. It may be easy to succumb to social pressures with activities such as wearing masks in public or not, and whether or not handshakes and touching, hugging, tapping someone on the back, uh, the, whether or not these things are acceptable behaviors. Realize that we are all trying to find kind of our new normal, whatever that is. <laughs> and it's important for you to define what is safe and comfortable for you and don't compromise. Don't compromise on that at all, regardless of how others may think or feel about it. Ultimately, it's your body. 
It's your health. It's your family. And it's your life that you put at risk or not by your actions. And you will ultimately have to live with the consequences of your actions, not somebody else. So that's an important thing to remember. If you're feeling this social pressure to not wear a mask around other people because others aren't wearing it and you feel safer doing it, but you take yours off just to blend in, they're not going to live with the consequences of that action for you. You get to. So it's okay. Be confident, be independent, be yourself and be comfortable with your safety level and stick to it. Last but not least on my little list here, number six, <laughs> recognize that others may not have the same comfort level as yourself and be, they may be less or they may be more comfortable. If you are extremely comfortable with not wearing a mask, with handshakes, etc., hugging, you're basically back to pre-COVID behaviors, okay? Please respect that others may not be and adjust accordingly. John, I have a feeling you want to say something about that. No, I just, I've thought honestly, like, there's a lot of people who still kind of come into people's comfort zones. Right. And there's a lot of people who still, to this day, and for good reason, want to maintain uh, at least a six-foot distance when they're in a public place, a shopping center or, right. um, you know, a grocery store or someplace like that. And I thought... You know, there's probably a real opportunity in there for somebody to make kind of some fun T-shirts that people can wear that have <laughs> have a message that give people front and back yeah. the message of, you know, um, please keep your distance without having to be nasty about it. Right. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and just where they can establish kind of what their comfort zone is yeah. without having to say something and then somebody you know, here's the wrong tone of voice or the wrong look on the face or something like that. If I saw somebody wearing a T-shirt that says, you know, something like, you know, uh, six feet, please, you know. That's what I, I'm comfortable I, with. I, I would yeah. be, I would, I would certainly keep my distance sure. from that person, yeah. you know. But yeah. I see people still all the time in various stores that, get right up on top yeah. of people and yeah. and then people turn around and they start to argue they you know they get nasty about it yeah. and and nobody likes that see john you you can be kind <laughs> he's looking at me <laughs> no seriously I, no he's very I, kind <laughs> i mean i think it is upon each of us to respect the other's comfort oh, levels for sure you know for sure. it's not yeah. about what our comfort level right. is as much as, as, you know, explain, I mean, it is what our, our comfort level is, right. but about finding a way also to convey that without having to be nasty and doing right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, understanding, realizing there are many different levels of, of safety, right? And so you may interact and encounter 10 different people during your day, and there's probably 10 different levels of comfort yeah. with re with relation to COVID and, and everything else, human wear, behavior and activity. I wear my mask all the time when I'm out in public, and I don't have to be in a municipality that has the rules. Right, yeah. So yeah. if I'm in Palm Springs where they expect it, or in Cathedral City, uh, it doesn't change how I behave when I'm in Palm Desert or La Quinta. Right. And so one of the things that 
has just become habitual is even though I'm wearing the mask is I always sneeze into my elbow now. Right. You know, I, I never did that before. You, know, you didn't do that before. I didn't. You know, I might cover it with. I might cover my <laughs> I mouth. I did with, that before. <laughs> I I would cover my mouth with my hand. Okay. You know, it's not that I just Which is sneeze. Not, not you good know, practice. without you know, <laughs> yeah. breaking yeah, just breaking into the air. air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But now I make a conscious choice from yeah. things I learned during the age That's of good. COVID. That's good. And I I wish others would do that as well because you know, you know something, I have not had a cold since January of 2020. Nice. It, this is the longest time I have think that I've gone in my life without having a cold. And now, look, after I've said that to you, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a cold <laughs> probably <on> tomorrow. <laughs> Knock on wood, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, something else that I definitely want to talk about with regard to respecting others, you know, it's okay to accommodate others, even if you don't believe in the way that they do. But by respecting others' comfort level, this doesn't change your beliefs. This doesn't mean that you're following the herd, that you believe in something other than what you agree with. This actually just means that you're a compassionate human, that you recognize that everyone's lives within, everyone lives within their own boundaries of, of what they feel safe and comfortable with. Teachers in the classroom, I have to modify and accommodate for my students. Sometimes different learning style for every single student in the class. Just because one student doesn't learn the same way as another student or the way that you learn doesn't mean that they're wrong or that they're not smart. It simply means that they're not you. Oh, how I wish I'd have had you for my algebra teacher. <laughs> <laughs> math can be a lot of fun, by the way. And I think math teachers have a responsibility to kind of make it fun because I can't even I imagine had, being a math teacher. Uh, right? In, in going eighth into grade, it. I just had a nasty old witch. Yeah. You know, and it was my way or the highway. Ooh. <laughs> so I went the D way. <laughs> just skating by. No, just I couldn't do better than that because I couldn't right. learn and understand. Right. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you don't get cultivating that relation. No, yeah. you don't. You get to you get to pick your friends. Yeah. You get to pick your social environment, but and, you don't get to pick your teachers. And usually. sometimes you even get to pick your nose, but don't do that <laughs> in the age of COVID. <laughs> Jeez, John, you and your hands. <laughs> well, coming up next on Date Talks, we have our weekly brief guided meditation in my empty your cup segment, where I will continue the topic of kindness get comfy, get relaxed. That's what's coming right up here on Tate Talks. Talks continues now on Radio 111 with Jason Tate. This is Jason Tate. Welcome back. You're on Tate Talks. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with me. I want to extend a special thank you and gratitude to my friend, Dr. Amy Chen, for spending time with me at the top of the hour as we talked about obstetrics, uh, her practice. She's doing a fellowship in Memphis, Tennessee. And I just wish her the best in all that she's doing. She's out there on the front line 
just like many others out there. And I just thank you so much to all of you who are on the front line, healthcare workers, taking care of us and making sure that we have the best care possible. So thank you so much for that. This week on Empty Your Cup, my feature, I have two, two different quotes for you. I'm focusing this week on kindness and compassion. So this first quote here is from John Wellwood. He says, meditation provides a way of learning how to let go. As we sit, the self we've been trying to construct and make into a nice, neat package continues to unravel. This next one is about meditation. Quiet the mind and the soul will speak. That's by Ma Yaya Sati Bhagavati. And so as we do this week, uh, I want you to find a nice comfortable seated position or lying down, which is even better. And I'm gonna guide you through this meditation and breathing technique that I've been cultivating over the years, 416, inhaling for four seconds, holding your breath for one, and exhaling for six seconds. This is a great technique to use uh, throughout your day, to start your day, during the middle of your day, and also at the end of the day as well. Anytime you need to just kind of reset and rebalance and get in touch with your parasympathetic autonomic nervous system. So find a nice comfortable seated position, closing your eyes, just following my voice as I guide you through this meditation. Begin by breathing in through your nose for one, two, three, four, hold for one, and exhaling through your mouth for one, two, three, four, five, six. In for one, two, three, four, hold, and exhaling for one, two, three, four, five, six. In for one, two, three, four, hold, exhaling for one, two, three, four, five, six. In for one, two, three, four, hold, and exhaling one, two, three, four, five, six. Continue breathing on your own. You can count or you cannot. Just inhaling gently through your nose, holding your breath for a moment and exhaling through your mouth. Thinking now about the muscles of your face around your eyes, relaxing those circular muscles around your eyes, letting your eyes just remain closed naturally on their own. As well as relaxing the muscles of your face and cheeks, imagine you're getting a nice facial massage and you're completely relaxing the muscles of your face. Now moving down into your jaw, relaxing your jaw as your mouth hangs open, gently exhaling through that long exhalation. And as you feel this warmth and peace and relaxation moving down through your body, I want you to think about your favorite place. Thinking about your favorite place to be, allowing yourself to experience this. What do you see? What colors do you see? Who is there? What is it that is in your favorite place? Imagine being there, thinking about it, experiencing it, feeling it. 
and allowing this gratitude, this warmth, this feeling to wash over you as you bathe in the kindness and forgiveness and beauty of your favorite place. Allowing yourself to experience all of the feelings and emotions that you have by being in your favorite place. Just imagine being there right now. Taking a nice deep breath in through your nose, filling up your lungs all the way. Long, slow exhale. And as you're exhaling, gently letting your eyelids rise. Coming back into the present moment. Allowing yourself to realize that this is a really quick tip strategy tool to use this breath work to just kind of calm the mind and allow yourself to go somewhere like your favorite place in your mind so that you can kind of invoke the emotions and feelings that come from being in that place. This is something that you have access to anytime, anywhere. Uh, you can do it on a crowded uh, plane or bus or you can do it in the privacy of your own home. This is a tip, a technique, a tool that I'm happy to share with you right here on Tate Talks. This has been another edition of Tate Talks. Thank you for taking your precious time out of your day to join me here. Tate Talks is here at Radio 111 every Sunday and on all major podcasts to provide current, up-to-date information with regard to health and wellness, to inform and inspire you to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.